are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be recapping the Wildcats' close win over the LSU Tigers. We are also going to be speaking with Isaac Shade of the Locked On College Basketball Podcast to talk about some of the frustrations you guys have with the program. We're also going to talk about John Calipari, and we're going to ask a question that I'm sure all of you are going to be perfectly fine with, and none of you will get upset with in the comments below. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms, and if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. It would mean a ton as we march closer and closer to 3,000 subs. I would stay tuned, by the way, for that question, we talk about John Calipari. We are not taking anything seriously. Let's be very clear. But we do have an interesting conversation about him. That coming up later on in the show. But for now, 74-71. Wildcats get a victory over the LSU Tigers. Kentucky now 10-4 and on the year. 1-1 and in the SEC. Plain and simple. Wildcats needed this one. Wildcats needed some momentum to build on as they move into the massive contest with the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday. Not a lot of chance for Kentucky to win that one, according to uh, analytics websites out there. Excuse me, sorry. I have a little bit of a cough going on. I'm trying to prevent it. But this was a closer-than-anticipated game. There was a lot of hot scoring in the first half. Things slowed down in the second Things kind of adjusted, I think, defensively for both teams. But the one thing I want to take away from this game before we dive into the numbers, what have we been talking about on this show for the past, I would say, week and a half? Coach Calipari has made a huge emphasis about toughness. And not just physical toughness, but also mental toughness. About getting into a place where you can have confidence in what you're doing and you can be effective instead of falling apart on the offensive end. We saw Kentucky in this game show some mental toughness. Now, let's also go ahead and get this out of the way so that we're not walking through this entire game from beginning to end. This Kentucky team, late in this game, once again, completely fell apart on the offensive end of the floor. Now, I will say, the bucket that Kaysen Wallace got late was a really nice play because clearly, I, I I started to you know I'm starting to give Kentucky a, a little bit of the benefit of uh, a little bit of benefit of the doubt, right? So Kentucky needed a, a basket badly. First possession, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they sat around. Literally nobody moved. The the crowd started to get upset about it. And then, if I'm not mistaken, they turned the ball over. The next possession, they needed a bucket. Still, exact same thing happened. Kentucky did absolutely nothing on offense. There was literally no movement. Everybody was very upset about it. They kicked it to the corner at the last minute. Toppin pump faked, and then he decided to pull up for a three, and he hit it. So it was a huge shot for Kentucky in a possession where there wasn't really a whole lot of going on. It was, a, it was, in my opinion, a shot that should not, would not have been made typically, especially given the type of possession it was. And then Kaysen Wallace on his layup at the basket 
he, I, I'd have to go back and actually watch it a, th- a third time because I've already watched it, obviously, live, watched the highlights. But it was some type of, like, screen set to clear, like, an empty play on the left side where they ran the action late because it was the exact same thing. They came down the floor. They didn't do anything. They were kind of passing the ball back and forth. Everybody was getting upset, like, what is Kentucky doing? No, they were just, in my opinion, setting things up for that play to see if they could get a look for Case Moss at the rim, and it was a really, really nice, uh, well-designed thing there. So all of this to say, sure, there were still some issues late, right? But hey, Kentucky looked like they were starting to at least make an attempt to answer some of their problems, and I'm not, I'm not just sitting here focusing on the, the entire end of the game, by the way. I'm talking about the entire thing. They were incredibly efficient at different points in this game. They shot very well. The free throw line didn't come back to bite them for the first time in a while. They only had six turnovers. I think a lot of this had to do with the fact that Cal, whenever he's needed to kind of be clutch, whenever he's needed to like focus in and get things done, you notice how Kentucky has consistently gone to a tighter rotation. This game, because C.J. Frederick was out, because Lance Ware was out, they only played seven players. In the bench players, Damian Collins and Antonio Reeves only played nine and 14 minutes respectively. It was purely the starting lineup for the most part, and Kentucky's players executed. Jacob Toppin, I know that there are several players that stood out in this game in this starting rotation, but it, Jacob Toppin, I want to get to here first. So we talked about on yesterday's episode about how Jacob Toppin could be the piece that turns this this season around. Well, obviously he hit the, he hit the biggest shot of the game there at the end. Nine of thirteen from the floor, though he had three rebounds, three assists, a steal, and a block. Only one foul, and twenty one points in thirty one minutes. That is not to be expected every single night, but that is what we need. That is what I was talking about. Jacob Toppin, after showing what he could do against Louisville, I said, guys, it was against a horrible team, but he has shown the potential in the past, and he is showing again, hey, I have the ability to be a consistent scorer in the paint, night in and night out. I'm an athletic, bouncy forward. I can do a lot of different things if I just have the confidence, and I think... You saw in this game, especially considering he hit that three-pointer late, which he has not been, I believe he was shooting like 15% from from the three on the year. That is big for him. I could not be more happy with the way that he's played two games in a row now. Very excited for Jacob Toppin. Really hope that he's able to continue things moving forward into this Alabama game. The other thing I want to get to here is Severe Wheeler. Wheeler did not have a turnover, I think, until the like last like three or four minutes of this contest. He finished with nine assists compared to two turnovers. And this is something that Jimmy Dykes, the color analyst on, on, the, uh, on ESPN, continued to point out. And this is something that I had written down in my notes. Like, even early on, you notice what severe Wheeler looked like. Despite shooting four of ten from the floor, he did shoot three of five from three, knocked down a couple huge buckets for the Wildcats. He looked controlled. Kentucky didn't look out of sorts, even whenever they were doing things late incorrectly, in my opinion. They didn't look panicked. They didn't look like they were freaking out. And that's something that we have not seen from the Wildcats so far this year, is even when things are going good, they look rushed, they look hasty, they look like they are panicking. And we saw that against LSU in that contest in Baton Rouge last year. That was one of my most frustrated episodes I think I've ever put out. 
was that game. And just the disbelief that Kentucky couldn't handle things and also the officiating. We'll get to the officiating in just a second, but this was a this was the turnaround game Kentucky needed. Now, was it the final score that the Wildcats wanted? No, they were up by 10 at one point. But I am very pleased with the way that this one ended with all of the with all of the starting rotation playing pretty solid outside of maybe Chris Livingston who shot one of five from the floor. I think collectively as a whole, this unit did a lot of good things. Oscar Shibway did what he did. He only took nine shots, but he made seven of them. At one point, he was seven of seven in this game at 16 points, nine rebounds, 19, uh, excuse me, 19 points, 16 rebounds. Uh, just, again, it was one of the more complete showings I've seen from Kentucky in quite some time. And look, the defense, I'll say, like, last thing here before we get to the officiating, the defense was a problem but there were so many different shots that LSU hit, particularly KJ Williams, where it's just, it was the, I think the epitome of just good defense, great offense. Like there were just some really tough shots the Tigers hit that I just did not expect them to. And look, Ken Palm said that LSU was going to score 63 in this game. I said, I thought, excuse me, I thought it would be a little bit higher. They ended up shooting almost 50% from the floor, 44% from three. Adam Miller had five threes in this game, transfer from Illinois. And then they were eight of 10 from the foul line. Both these teams shot much better than anticipated. Kentucky dominated the de- uh, rebounding uh, totals, 31 to 22. A lot of that had to do with what was what Oscar Shibway was doing, obviously. Severe Wheeler was actually second with uh, six, to, six uh, rebounds in total. So this was a solid win, and we've, we've talked about it, guys. The SEC is going to be rough this year. I'm very happy with the way that this one turned out. I would have liked to have seen this kind of been an eight- or nine-point win. Uh, you know, again, the Wildcats just, just kind of doing some weird, questionable things there at the very end of the game. But you've got to be pleased with even when things were falling apart, they still managed to show up, and they still managed to finish the job. Build upon that. Because you've got a really tough opponent coming in, or you're going to Tuscaloosa, rather, this Saturday. And that is going to be, as we've said for weeks now, every SEC game is going to be a dogfight. This four-game stretch for the Wildcats, they have, that we said that if they could get to 3-1, and one, it would be big. They are 1-0 so far. Let's see if we can make it 2-0 Saturday in Tuscaloosa. Before we get to our conversation with Isaac Shade, officiating Doug Shouse, um, we've, I've saw a lot of things on Twitter that I'm not just going to sit here and reiterate, oh, he's an egotistical official that just wants to control the game and be, get all the attention. I'm just going to say that he's not good. He's not good at his job. There were a couple different fouls in this game where I think at one point he literally cost Kentucky. It was like a six or an eight point swing. And it was, it was like back to back to back. Like, oh my goodness, those are like awful. And it led to buckets. Therefore, like Kaysen Wallace was going to clean up a rebound. And if anything, if anything it should have been a foul on the LSU player for reaching in and being and being aggressive while Wallace was grabbing a rebound that was about to go out of bounds it was a ridiculous call uh so Doug Shows, you know shout out to him in midseason form he is undefeated and uh, not too good at his job all right hey before we get to our conversation with Isaac Shade I want to tell you guys about our friends over at betonline.net BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to college basketball. The World Cup just ended. They've got every single sport you can think of over at BetOnline.net. And 
If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, and you can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. Joining me off the top here is the host of Locked on Kentucky, Mr. Lance Dow. We want to thank you for making this your first listen or watch every single day. Don't forget, we're free and available anywhere you get podcasts. Coming up later on today's show, North Carolina has received two top 30 commits in the class of 24 in the past week, vaulting them to the number one class currently. We will unpack both of those guys with Jason Jordan, our director of college basketball recruiting. But before we get to that, Lance, whoo, Kentucky survives on Tuesday night. They shouldn't have had to survive, but they did. 74-71 over LSU in Rupp, a place that I've been just once, but it was to see Taylor Swift. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> it's not it's not wrong i'm actually being very serious oh, i respect <laughs> it it was a gift for my wife's birthday one year despite the win there's been more talk from big blue nation than i ever remember about coach cow's place in lexington bigger than the the start to this year it's been building let me just run through a couple quick numbers and then i just want to see where you're at with it what you're hearing and where we go from here 2021, the year after COVID canceled everything, obviously kind of a miserable year for the Wildcats, 9-16, and 8-9 and in the SEC. Last season, 26-7, and 14-4, a very solid year, if unspectacular, by Kentucky standards. But obviously, the loss to St. Peter's taints things, and they didn't win the SEC regular season or conference title. This year, off to a 10-4 and start, 1-1 and in the SEC remains to be seen what will happen in terms of conference championships and things like that. The last final four was 2015, the last and only national championship under John Calipari. It's 2012. Notably haven't won an NCAA tournament game since the quote unquote lifetime 10 year contract was announced. And it certainly doesn't help that uh, use the UCLA job to get that leverage. And now UCLA has done really well under Mick Cronin with yikes, Johnny Juzang leading the way. All that to say, the fan base, Lance, is understandably frustrated. The question becomes, do the decision makers feel the same way as the fan base? I think it's an interesting time to be a Kentucky fan right now because, Isaac, I started doing this show a little bit over a year ago, and I thought when in March, whenever the loss to St. Peter's came, that this would kind of be water under the bridge, right? Eventually, things would start to kind of shape up. Things would return to form. I was very excited about this upcoming season, and I did not expect the collapse I think we've seen in this early season in big games to actually happen. We heard a lot of talk this offseason about change, about adjustments, about modernizing certain things on the floor, and we just haven't seen that. And so it's quickly started to shift from the the tone in the fan base from my perspective from, oh, maybe it's a small minority to, okay, now almost everyone is pointing out the flaws that are happening right now, both on and off the court for Kentucky. A big point of contention earlier this offseason was recruiting, and I was Mm -hmm. like, I think that's going to eventually come around. Kentucky has proven that they can do that. Coach Cal obviously went out and signed one of the best classes, if not the best class in next year's uh, upcoming recruiting cycle. I think right now, based on what we've heard from the fan base, there are legitimate frustrations and there are legitimate concern. Now, does that mean that there is legitimate frustration and concern from the people in power? I think that's another question. 
him with a different answer. Right now, Kentucky is locked in seemingly to a lifetime contract, so to speak, with John Calipari. And you and I were talking just a little bit before we went on air. It feels like if Kentucky were to go that route, it would not necessarily be the wisest thing considering (laughs) how much money they would have to pay to get rid of a national title winning coach. Now, something I will say here quickly, Isaac, it has been a decade since he has won that national title. And on top of that, what is Kentucky if not a team that consistently competes for national titles? They haven't won an NCAA tournament game like you mentioned in quite some time. I mean, at some point, you have to start asking asking the question, when do things change? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's a great question. And I think you're right. Like, I, I did the math a little bit <laughs> ago. And if my, if my number crunching is correct, if Kentucky was to buy out John Calipari after this season, they would owe him... million still. I mean, it's just dumb. And as you said, this recruiting class coming in is ballers. They are ballers. Not to mention, who knows what Kentucky will do in the transfer portal as they've continued to do. And so it just seems like it doesn't make any sense to to really begin to have that conversation. But man, I don't think we're at a tipping point. As you said, I, I think the answer is different from the decision makers than it is the fan base. But the fan base is a lot of those people with a lot of those dollars that you would need if you were going to make any changes. So uh, you, d- you don't want to head in a different direction than you're heading right now. That is certainly for sure. And something I'll say right now, as far as the short term goes, I mean, I think it's very valid, the frustrations that we're seeing. I mean, obviously, with the issues with the offense in the half court, we've seen a lot of struggles so far this year with Kentucky and crunch time, just not really knowing what to do. I mean, you talked about that close win over LSU last night. I mean, just a brutal game there at the very end where you saw several possessions where Kentucky just literally did not have any movement. Had Jacob Toppin not made that corner three, (laughs) we could be talking about a loss and we could be continuing to talk about a directionless Kentucky that doesn't really seem to have a lot of confidence in itself. So the short term, I absolutely understand the frustration and I'm right there with the front fan base. If you've been listening to my podcast for any sort of amount of time over the past couple of months, I've been right there. Now, again, I want to reiterate, it does not mean a coaching change has to happen at this moment, right? Things can be adjusted. And I honestly do think when you go back and watch that LSU game, you did see maybe Kentucky starting to maybe change some things and head in the right direction. I agree. Up to the point of, you know, when things kind of fell apart in the last couple minutes, I think they had built a 10 point lead. And and, uh, I believe the commentators even I can't even remember who it was now, but even said to me, this is the best I've seen Kentucky other than non-conference by games and other than Louisville. Uh, And and if that's so, like you're moving in the right direction. And I would tend to agree with that. Like there was cohesion. Things looked good. Maybe we're getting, you know, Oscar Shibway back to full form now. You know, all of these kind of things. Uh, It was a good night for Severe Wheeler uh, shooting wise and things like that. If he can do that, watch out, folks. Here we go. Now, Lance, just so that we've done it. If and when we get to the point of saying it's time John Calipari is deciding to walk away or they've come up with and backed up a truck with the world's stupidest amount of money, who would be some of those people we would begin to look at? Now, again, we're just uh, like we're just putting out a hypothetical here. Like we like this could be either two years from now or it could be whenever Cal finally decides to hang it up a decade from now. We don't know how much longer John Calipari is going to be here, but Isaac, to kind of humor the conversation, I think there are two names that you have heard 
more than any others out there, and that would be Nate Oates, and that would be Jay Wright. Now, whether or not Jay Wright is interested in coming out of retirement to coach it for the Wildcats, I don't think that's reality there. But Nate Oates is somebody that I personally would be very excited about uh, as Kentucky's new head coach because he hits the two things you want. He's a good recruiter, and he's an X's and O's guy. You look at Alabama and the way they play the five out, I mean, that's the direction the game is headed over the past half decade. And it's what thrives. And right now, Alabama's the cream of the crop in the SEC. They've got some really talented five-star freshmen that are producing, uh, guys like Brandon Miller. I mean, I think that he would be, as far as finding somebody to maybe replace and sustain the success that Cal had, I think he would definitely be a solid potential option. Outside of that, Isaac, I mean, this was a conversation that I had uh, quite a bit on my show earlier this summer is that, uh, with some of the fans that were really upset, I'm like, guys, who is going to replace John Calipari? I mean, is there a play, is there a coach out there right now that fans and boosters and the athletic department collectively would be comfortable with? with. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everybody's got to be okay with this next decision. It's got to be somebody that is worth their salt. And so I just don't know if there are a whole lot of names out there in college basketball right now that would leave their current job to go for to Kentucky. But I will say this. I have no idea if he's interested in the job or not, but Nate Oates, I think, just looking at his resume and looking at what he's doing with the Crimson Tide right now, he would be a really, really good hire. I think a lot of people would be happy with him. You know, it's funny. I hadn't even heard you have those conversations. He's literally the name on my notes at the top of my list. I love Nate Oates, and I think he would be massive. I think it would make sense uh, to at least think about Mark Pope, you know, bringing somebody back home. Sure. Um, and then you, you can't not make a call to guys like Scott Drew and Mark Few because it's the same thing that the uh, North Carolina went through after Roy Williams retired. You got to make those dudes tell you no, um, who are at the highest level of the sport. And so a really interesting conversation, one that, as you've kind of alluded to, not outright said, but I'll say it, is premature, I think, in both of our estimations. I think for me that John Calipari, even though things were, were not at the top or the height of Kentucky um, success right now that, that the Wildcats and Big Blue Nation are used to seeing, but I believe that he has earned the right to walk away on his own terms and his contract says yeah. as much, quite frankly. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. And premature, I definitely think is a good word for it. But again, just want to reiterate, look, there are several guys right now that I don't think would walk away from their job, but I think to your point, Isaac, you can't just leave them alone. You definitely have to go and reach out to them. So if Kentucky does choose to move on, I would I would hope that the fan base would understand, regardless of who the hire is, that it would be made in the best interest of the program's future specifically, and it would the goal would be to get back to winning national titles. And so I certainly hope that they make that decision if they do choose to walk away from Calipari or they force Calipari to resign, essentially. I hope that they're not making that decision lightly. I think it's very important that Kentucky times this right if they ever do it in the future. And I hope that the decisions, the whole process is made very carefully. Yes, absolutely. Well, we got this year and then six more years left on this lifetime contract. So we will continue to monitor it. But folks, I don't think we're anywhere near anything drastic happening in Lexington. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Thank you so much to Isaac Shade for sitting down and having that conversation with us. Look, I know some of you may be upset with the way that we talked about Cal and talked about a potential replacement for him, who that could be. Uh, I would be. I would just like to go out there and say I don't think it's going to happen. Going to reiterate it. Don't think it's going to happen. Um, but it's always fun to just have different conversations, you know, just in theory, because 
you know, it's always cool to see what, what could be potentially coming. I've definitely had a change of perspective since the summer about Coach Cal and about whether or not Kentucky is, it could potentially find a coach that would be capable enough of kind of carrying things over. Uh, that one guy in particular being Nate Oates. But again, very happy with what Cal's doing right now, at least showing signs of progress. And I hope that he's continued to, it can, going to continue to do it. And look, I'll say this right here. If things don't work out this year, that does not mean we fire him next season. That does not make sense for him to either resign or get fired. Again, like Isaac said, we're looking at $30 million plus to dole out to him. That's just, that's ridiculous. You don't fire a national championship winning coach for, and give him $30 million plus to walk away. It's like 39 You just don't do that. Next year, with all of this talent coming in, if he does not produce results then we start to have some concerns. And that does, that even then, that doesn't mean you fire him. So I don't know. That's my take on it. What do you think? You can leave it in the YouTube comments below or you can hit me on the socials. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hey, again, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Stahl underscore. Follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and God bless.